Support for Speaking of Travel comes from Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to the world. Your safety when traveling to and from Asheville is and always will be our top priority. Asheville Regional Airport. Visit flyavl.com for all your current travel information. Prestige Subaru, offering a variety of new and pre-owned all-wheel drive Subarus. Built with the zero landfill promise, all waste is recycled or reused with more at prestigesubaru.com. And Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours. You'll be at the top of the city as you experience Asheville's history and scenic beauty, historic landmarks, and award-winning rooftop bars. Transportation is provided with tours offered daily, year-round. Find out more at AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball, and you're listening to Speaking of Travel right here on iHeartRadio 570 WWNC. So sit back and be carried away to places from around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. You know, you can always listen to this episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on the Speaking of Travel website, on the iHeartRadio app, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and now on Pandora. So be sure to visit the Speaking of Travel website, that's speakingoftravel.net, and sign up for the Travel Club. You'll receive the latest travel news and travel tips and get some really wonderful stories inspiring stories because you know people are out there doing some really great things and I want to actually give a shout out to myself this is going on the eighth year of being the host of speaking of travel and I love being the host for so many reasons it's different every week and being the host provides me with the opportunity to be creative and meet new people and continually stretch myself in doing things I'm not always comfortable doing. Have you ever listened to a radio show or a podcast and thought this must be a dream come true for that host being able to talk about things you love for me travel but you know it's not always that easy. There are a lot of responsibilities to make sure that everything runs smoothly. But I get to learn so much and interact with people from all over the world and from right here in my own backyard. And I love bringing people together. There's so much we can learn from each other. And I have been so very lucky to interview people who inspire and educate and entertain. Like my guest today, Kingston Lim is a long-term perpetual traveler. Yes, he's even traveling during a global pandemic. Kingston was born and raised in San Francisco, and he's currently on a global odyssey, figuring out how to make the biggest splash in the shortest amount of time. And Kingston, I am so glad to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me, Marilyn. So Kingston, where are we talking to you from right now? Right now, I'm in Cancun, Mexico. Ooh la la. So give us an idea of, of your background and how, how this path has unfolded for you. Sure. Uh, a little bit more about me. So like you've already said, 
My name is Kingston, and I'm originally from San Francisco, California. So originally, when I'm 24 years old right now, I went to college undergraduate in the University of Nevada, Reno, and I studied accounting when I was in Reno. And after finishing my accounting degree, I worked as an accountant for, for about a year as an accountant in Reno in the Sierra Nevada. It's very beautiful near Lake Tahoe. So I worked there in a accounting firm. And this firm, it was a small firm. In my opinion, it wasn't, there wasn't anything super special about it, but it was a great place to work in. I think of it more as when I remember it, a lot of cubicles, something like you would see in a sitcom, like office, I believe. And I worked in one of those cubicles. And I remember working in Reno in an accounting firm in that office one summer afternoon. I was working behind my desk. I had a standing desk and I looked outside the window. My office had a lot of big pan, one of those really big windows. And it was a beautiful day during the summer and there are a lot of trees outside and they're blowing in the breeze. And I was thinking to myself inside this office, after finishing college, is this it? Am I going to be behind a desk for the next 40 years, crunching numbers? So I began seriously questioning this narrative that I've been drilled in, and likely many of your listeners have been drilled in as well. Uh, you go to school, then you go to a good college and get a good job, and then work, build your family, and then you retire. I was questioning this. I was thinking there's got to be more than this. And my day at that point when I had just finished university consisted of me getting up and walking to work. I didn't have a car, so I walked to work about 30 minutes, walked to work. After I finished the work day, I would walk to my university and work on writing my book and eventually publishing that book. Each day was more or less the same as the next. And I started feeling really bored. And I was thinking, especially for my 20s, am I going to spend the rest of my 20s working for money? Is right now, my skills and experience are the least they're going to be throughout my lifespan. So therefore, my earning potential is going to be not as much as it would be in my middle years. So I was thinking, am I going to sacrifice now in my 20s when I don't have kids, I don't have a spouse, I don't have a mortgage, a business, what have you. I don't have that to tether me in one place. Am I going to sacrifice these most free and unattached years of my life for money? And again, not a whole lot of money either, as I, my skills and experience are going to be the least as they are now and they are going to be in the future. So using this rationale, I began plotting my escape. I was thinking, which country should I go to? And eventually I decided to go to Thailand. And I did a lot of research on reading a bunch of travel blogs on how, as a young person, I could afford to do this before I finally made my move. And I remember the before I could actually go there, go to Thailand, go to explore Southeast Asia, I had to send the most difficult email I've ever had to send in my life. The I'm quitting email to my boss. And I remember hovering over, I had it all typed out, I spent a week typing it out, rewriting it. And I was hovering over it on my phone, just waiting, hesitating to hit the send button. Yes, I knew at this point 
I'll be throwing everything away, all the close to two decades of being drilled of, this is the life path you should go on. I was throwing all away, all the safety nets for the vast unknown. And I did this, this was March, 2019. And it was the best decision I ever made in my life. Since then, I have been, well, I've been an accountant. I've been an author. I've been, I was in Thailand as a English teacher. I taught English there. I've also guest lectured at a few universities in Thailand. And tomorrow I'm flying to Mexico City to be a farmer. I found a farm there willing to take me in and I'm going to work on that farm. So right now, this, my 20s, my global odyssey, it's a period of exploration. I'm trying to get a feel of all these different types of career fields. So by the end of my 20s, 28, 30 years old, I have a good idea of who I am, what I'm good at, and what matters to me. So another way you could put it is it's sort of a long-term internship, and that is the path I'm following right now. It's a little bit more about me. Well, Kingston, I'm just meeting you now for the first time, but I, I am so proud of you. You've really, um, you know, you you've changed the the path for yourself, and that's something that is critically difficult for so many people uh, to to be able to to be in that space of looking around and saying, "I'm really done here." Where do I go from here? And then, and then forging that path. Give us an idea um, as people are listening where they can go to find out, uh, to see some of your videos and just kind of follow this journey you're on. Sure. So I have a website. I post articles almost daily at this point. And it's, my website is my name, kingstonlim.com. And in addition to my website, kingstonlim.com, I also have my YouTube channel, which is just my name again. So it's with my middle initial, Kingston S. Lim. And I had recently, about 10 days ago, posted a video in Tolum, Mexico. The mine ruins and the beaches there that are, they're, they're sort of open. I won't get too much into that right now. So I posted a video of how abandoned it is and also with so few people, I think it, allows you to soak in the beauty of all these ancient, all the ancient architecture as well as the natural beauty of that part of Mexico. Well, Kingston, when we come back, I want to pick up right there and talk about where you are right now, where you're heading. Uh, you talk about going, you're going to Mexico City, you know, large right. density. Uh, so thank you so much for being on the show. When we come back, we'll, we'll pick up. And actually, Kingston is traveling as we speak. And I was telling him earlier, we really haven't talked to anybody who's been traveling lately. So stay tuned to find out more. Hi, it's Kay, the owner of Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours. We share our beautiful city in the mountains of Western North Carolina from the rooftops with people from our community around the country and around the world. Our tours are well known for the spectacular scenery, the award-winning rooftop bars, and the captivating city history we share from the rooftops. We take traveling during these COVID-19 recovering times seriously. We've implemented CDC cleaning and sanitation protocols, require staff health screenings before our tours, and provide our tour guests with face coverings if they need one. 
We are excited to welcome you on an Asheville rooftop bar tour and provide a way for you to safely experience Asheville from a bird's eye view. To learn more, visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. It's summertime in Subieville, which means it's time for adventure here in western North Carolina. Or more aptly, time to get outdoors and outgoing down a road less traveled. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. And off the beaten path, nothing says tough like the tried and true reliability of an all-wheel drive Subaru. There's a reason why 97% of Subarus sold in the last 10 years are still on the road today and ready for the next adventure. Discover the beauty of all-wheel drive at Prestige Subaru, 585 Tunnel Road, Nashville, or visit us online at PrestigeSubaru.com. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with my guest, Kingston Lim. And Kingston is in Mexico right now. He's been on a journey that began last year in March 2019. And Kingston... Give us an idea of how this journey unfolded for you. You were so optimistic and enthusiastic, and you had faced so many uh, challenges just making a decision to get up and go, and you did, and here you are today. Give us an idea of what has transpired over this last year for you. Sure. Uh, rewinding back to March 2019, my parents weren't very happy about me making this decision I wasn't always the one that listened to my parents, so I did it anyways. So March 2019, I flew from San Francisco to Chiang Mai, Thailand. And for those who are listeners that don't know, Chiang Mai is the largest city in Northern Thailand. And before this, I remember I did a lot of research on how I can make this more affordable. So eventually I came across these web articles that talked about how you can use something called travel hacking. That's what we'll go into a bit more. So basically what I did was I took this credit card bonus and used it to fly from San Francisco to Chiang Mai for, I think I paid about less than $50. And I had a complimentary airport lounge access, so which was very nice. And I actually wrote an article about it, besides the point. So I got to Chiang Mai. I remember I, to save money further, I walked from the airport to my hostel. So I didn't take a taxi. I just walked there. It took about an hour, hour and a half. I remember I got there all sweaty. Got there all sweaty, and I got to my hostel about 10 p.m. And I was lying in my bed. I was thinking to myself, what are you doing? You're sleeping in a room with seven strangers in this hostel. You're thrown away. Your county job, they had just given you a raise and a bonus saying how valuable of an asset you are. He just threw it all away. Yeah. So I eventually I was trying to find a job in Chiang Mai to be an English teacher, trying to start a different path. And I just I lived there in Chiang Mai for a couple of weeks. I just didn't feel it. I felt it was too small of a city. So eventually I decided to make the move to the big city in Thailand, which is Bangkok in the south. And Bangkok is the capital of Thailand. And eventually I took a bus, went down there. And in May 2019, I found a job as an English teacher there. I signed a one-year contract to teach with them, teach English. And that contract, I stayed in Bangkok for well, most, most of one year. And I used Bangkok as a jumping point, launch pad, to go to all these different Southeast Asian countries. I went to Vietnam, Cambodia, 
Myanmar, Laos, Philippines, Indonesia, Singapore, pretty much every single Southeast Asian country. And I finished that contract as an English teacher in Bangkok in February of this year, February 2020. And at that point, my plan was to spend one more month in Southeast Asia just to explore the remaining countries I haven't visited yet. Namely, it was the Philippines and Indonesia, which I did that. Yeah. And by, I remember I went to the Philippines first, then to Indonesia around March 10 of this year, around there. And when I got to the airport there, still, things still seemed relatively normal. There's a lot of news about the coronavirus. No one was really wearing a mask. All we had to do was fill out a little slip and hand it to the immigration person saying if we had any symptoms or not. I didn't, so I just handed it to them. And my 10, 12 days in Indonesia, that's when things began to change. You know, as I was, I was only in the main island, the biggest island, Java. So I was in Jakarta, the capital, just moving east, moving east through and exploring the island. I remember I took a 10-hour overnight bus to one of the sites there, an archaeological site of the largest Buddhist complex in the world, Borobudur. Uh, you know, I don't think I pronounced it right. So anyways, so I went there to the largest, this really large Buddhist complex. It's middle of March now and it was closed. And I just took this really long bus there and it was the first real bummer during this pandemic for me anyways. And so at that point, you know, everything started shutting down. So for the next three or four days, I was still had in Indonesia. I just sort of hunkered down a little bit. Still explored, but any of the main attractions that were closed. And it was around this time that my family back home in San Francisco and my extended family as well started calling me saying, oh, you need to come home, you need to come home, you need to come home. Eventually, after being very resistant about it, I heeded their call. So my plan initially at that point, middle of March, was I'll go home for, in San Francisco a little bit or going down south to Latin America to learn how to be a farmer. So March 22nd, I flew from Jakarta, capital of Indonesia, to San Francisco. And I had, I had a layover in Taipei, Taiwan. And at that point, March 22nd, that's when things really seemed bizarre to me. I was in the airport, both these airports in Jakarta and Taiwan. They were barely abandoned besides the people taking my flight or a similar flight. And I looked at the screen that pretty much every airport has about the flights and the flight statuses. They were, a lot of the flights there started getting canceled. And these places was really bizarre to me was I had just been to them 10 days a month ago. A flight to Manila, Philippines, canceled. Flight to Bangkok, canceled. Thankfully, though, my flight wasn't canceled. So I flew back home to San Francisco, and things there were they're different than the last time I was home. Everything was shut down. All the stores, all the tours were gone. Everyone was, for the most part, staying in their homes except to go out and buy groceries. So stayed there for a month. I actually did a YouTube video on how things looked at that time, the end of March in San Francisco. So eventually I made the decision after staying a month in San Francisco to go down to Mexico. I chose Mexico because it was the only Latin American country that had its first open amount of time. Usually my plan was to go to Costa Rica to work on a cattle ranch, but borders are closed and they're still closed right now as of June. So came down to Mexico, April 22nd, 
from Oakland to Puerto Rico, Mexico. Again, my family, my extended family is telling me what a bad idea this is. And again, I didn't listen to my family again either. That's the case. So in Mexico for the past two months, and the domestic flights are, for the most part, still okay. okay. I've been in Guadalajara, Mexico City, Merida, Cancun, all these different places. And people, for the most part, wearing masks, but things have been loosening as there's less people wearing masks as the time has gone by. So what do you think, um, what do you think is going to happen, Kingston? Do you think that uh, people are going to start picking up and, and get on planes again anytime soon? Uh, well, in Mexico, at least, I don't know about states that have been there for the past couple of months. The flights, they tend to be packed. There's a lot of people. There's not really a whole lot of social distancing, social distancing inside the planes, although it's advertised in, in the city to Cancun. The beaches are they're kind of open for the city center, and you go there. A lot of the archaeological sites, such as the famous one in Yucatan, Peninsula of Mexico, Chinitza. For me personally, the, I've had so far five flights canceled on me. So I've had four flights to Guatemala, to Peru, and one domestic flight in Mexico. It, it didn't work. So it got canceled. But what I do is I book with a credit card. And my credit card company, I use Chase. If your airline cancels on you. Well, hold, hold that thought right there, Kingston. Sure. We're going to go to break and hopefully fix the technical difficulties. I know talking from Mexico sometimes can be challenging. I'm here with Kingston Lim. We're talking about traveling, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. If you want to truly experience a city, dart at the top. With Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours, you'll capture the true spirit of Asheville, North Carolina on our one-of-a-kind award-winning tours. You'll experience our city's highly acclaimed rooftop bars, see Asheville's scenic beauty and historic landmarks, and feel the history of our city unfold before you, all on this uniquely crafted tour. We take care of every detail, including band show for transportation, sample cocktails and mocktails at each rooftop bar, and there's plenty of snacks and bottled water on the van to enjoy between stops. Come see why Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours is top of the city and top of mind for the best things to do in Asheville, North Carolina. To learn more, visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. Green is good. Local food, less oil. Renewable energy, sustainable peace. Tree hugger. Say no to GMOs. Be kind to animals. Don't eat them. Go solar. Coexist. Don't buy a dog, rescue one. Keep Asheville weird. We just read the bumper stickers on the back of a Subaru. Welcome to Subiville, Prestige Subaru. On the web at PrestigeSubaru.com. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on a Jupiter. You know, today, nobody really knows for sure what's going on with travel. There are so many restrictions still, and I know that airlines are starting to uh, to get packed up again, and people are starting to travel. And my guest today is Kingston Lim. Kingston is talking to us from Mexico and has been on a journey since last year 
uh, and it just keeps traveling even though we're in a pandemic and things are changing. So Kingston's, thank you so much for being with us today. I, I know we've had a little challenge with technology, but sometimes that's just what happens when circumstances mm-hmm. are what they are. But thank you so much for being here and filling us in. Uh, tell us again, so you're in Cancun right now, and you were telling us that some right. of the things are closed and uh, but you're getting ready to get on a plane and go to Mexico City tomorrow. So what do you, what do mm-hmm. you think that's going to be like? Uh, I've actually taken quite a few domestic flights in Mexico right now. As I've counted four. So it should be fairly uneventful. Though I think the flights are going to be packed. As a lot of people from Mexico City that live there, they can travel out to Cancun to see the beaches and go back home. So besides that being a very... Besides being a very taxed flight, I'm guessing it'll be fairly uneventful. Flights here, domestically, they've been running normally. Well, are people adhering to, uh, you know, wearing a mask? I know on most airlines now you're required to wear a mask. Are you finding that people in other parts of the world are adhering to the social distancing and the wearing of the masks? Well, at least in the airplanes, pretty much everyone wears a mask. Notice that social distancing, it's four hit and miss here in Mexico. I notice a lot of the collectibles, which are like the shared vans, shared taxis, they tend to be packed. And there's still a lot of people in buses, but while in those buses, people, they're still wear a mask. So do you, I mean, I'm like your parents, you know, it's like now Kingston, are you wearing your mask? Are you being safe? Uh, how do you feel being out there and, and continuing this journey? When I came down here to Mexico in the well, in late April, I did feel a bit scared about this coronavirus going around. Of course, by now, my opinion, this pandemic, a lot of people have been affected, which is unfortunate. It does not seem like this coronavirus is going to be the Spanish flu of our lifetime. So I am feeling a, less, a little less worried now. I still wear a mask, take more precautions, but I'm... Me, myself, I'm confident that my life will be fine, at least. Well, you are definitely on an adventure of a lifetime in an adventure of a lifetime. And I love mm-hmm. that um, that you're documenting everything. So tell us again, uh, remind us, because the last segment we just had uh, due to those technical difficulties, I want to make sure that people, as they're listening, can go to your... Uh, YouTube and and your Facebook and and your blog and be able to see what what you're doing. So tell us again uh, how we can get in touch with you and and how we can follow you. Right. So I have a website which I post on pretty much daily. Document called a series called Kingston's Journey. So basically, the stuff that I learn while meeting all these different people, traveling to these different continents and different countries. So my website is kingstonlim.com kingstonlim.com and me personally i've never been a person that likes to talk i've always been the quiet kid so i've been forcing myself to talk by creating a youtube channel to supplement my blog so my youtube channel is just my name plus my middle initial it's kingston s lim kingston s lim and also post on my 
pictures I take along the way of the places I've been and the people I've met. I've met. I post it on my Instagram. My Instagram handle is KingstonLim23. KingstonLim23. And Lim is L-I-M. Correct. Gotcha. So I've been following you, Kingston, and I have to say that if you were the quiet kid, you are certainly coming out of your shell because one of the videos I certainly enjoyed was you taking some salsa lessons. Uh, <laughs> I remember that. That looked like a lot of fun, and you seem to be right in the groove. Uh, they still say I dance like a robot. Well, you've had quite an adventure uh, since the beginning. I, I can't even put mm -hmm. my head around the fact that you uh, went to college and you were playing by the rule book and you went out and got a good job and, and then one day said, you know what, this sucks. I want to get out of here. And you did it. Another video that I really enjoyed of yours was uh, watching what you packed. Tell us a little bit about how that unfolded when you really got down to, I'm leaving and this is what I'm taking. Right. I remember... The place I lived in when I was in Reno as an accountant, I couldn't have packages shipped to me. So I had to ship it to my workplace. Of course, I did a lot of research for reading travel books on what I should take. But I didn't want to buy it all at once. So it was small bits and pieces. So I don't get one huge package. And the people in the office are wondering, hey, what are you doing buying all this stuff? Are you going somewhere? And how to try to find an excuse for that. So it was bit by bit, piece by piece. So buying these, what did I buy? So I bought a water filter, which I didn't need, socks, these packing cubes, and eventually the backpack that I'm using with me right now. So it was a lot of research. So maybe over the span of two, three months, I was building up a list, a packing list I wanted, wanted to bring, while all the while keeping a secret from the people around me. So... Here you are, you've got everything, and I love that people can go uh, to your website and find that information and, and see everything, and you are kind of living this undercover type of existence there. It seems like you've had quite a few adventures going out there, too. Um, tell us about what happened when you had this illegal border run. That seems kind of sketchy. Yeah, uh, right. So I was in Bangkok as an English teacher, and anyone that's been an English teacher in Thailand knows that getting a visa to stay longer term in the country can be very confusing. And one of them required me to go to the neighbor, neighboring country of Thailand called Laos. It's a landlocked country. And me personally, I've always been a history. Well, I love history, learning all about world history specifically, but I've never heard of this country called Laos before. And when they told me, you have to go to this country, I was like, I have to go where? All right. So I, they told me to get on a bus to go up there to Vientiane, which is the capital of Laos. So took a bus from Bangkok. was another overnight bus. took about 10 hours to get to the border between the two countries, between Thailand and Laos. And once I got there, it was about, I looked it up on my Google Maps. It was about an hour, hour and a half walk to get to the immigration point where I get into the country. So it was 5 a.m. when I got to the border town in Thailand. I waited there a couple hours just so that the sun would rise a little bit so I didn't have to walk in the dark. And then I made a walk with my backpack to the border there. And eventually 
the two countries, Thailand and Laos, are connected by a bridge called the Friendship Bridge. So I found the, found the bridge. There was actually an English sign next to the Thai that Friendship Bridge. So went there, started walking along the bridge. And as I walked, I got to the middle of the bridge. It was the Mekong River. So Mekong is the river that runs from China all the way down to Vietnam. So it was quite beautiful. Took a selfie there. Then I noticed that it was just me there. It was me all by myself. And then a train rolled by, and there was a little girl on the train. She started waving to me, waved back. The story knows why am I just? Why is it just me here by myself? So, so I was like, all right, whatever. I'll just keep on walking. Walk, walk, walk. More, more of a fence that blocked the path, blocked the walking path. But the sign was only in Thai. I only speak a little bit of Thai, but I don't read any Thai as well. I was wondering what that sign said. So I pulled out my phone, used Google Translate to take a picture of it. I said, do not pass. All right, well, I already walked all this way here. It's been an hour and a half now. You're walking here. I'm just going to bypass this little sign and just keep on walking. So I bypassed the sign, said, do not cross, kept on walking, and then I walked off the bridge. Once I walked off the bridge, I noticed my cell reception was gone. I had a SIM card in Thailand, but not one in Mao. My cell reception was gone. Then I noticed cars were rolling by, and there were residential houses. And I was thinking to myself, where's the immigration office? Uh, this doesn't seem right. I just entered this country, and there's no one here to stop me. So I was like, you know what? This isn't a good idea. I'm here in Laos trying to get a visa. They're going to be wondering, how come you didn't get an exit stamp from Thailand? How come you don't have a visa to get into this country, into Laos? So I walked back on the bridge, took a different path, and I noticed the immigration office in the distance. So I started walking towards it, and there were a couple of workers there wondering what I'm doing, and they started speaking, talking in Lao. And I only speak, I only know two words in Lao, so I started speaking English. They gave me this funny look and let me pass. Well, hold that thought right there, Kingston, because we're going to go to break, but I can't wait to find out what happened. So thank you so much. We'll be right back. This is Marilyn Ball. We're listening to Kingston Lim, and he is uh, keeping us on the edge of our seat. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Leanne from Biltmore. Are you looking for some simple ways to spend quality time with your family and friends? Then look no further. Biltmore is now open and you can wander through historic gardens, along winding trails with plenty of room to spread out all in one spectacular setting. Ride your bike, have a picnic, take a tour of America's largest home, Biltmore House, right here in our own backyard in Asheville, North Carolina. George Vanderbilt created Biltmore as a relaxed country retreat away from the pressures of city life. A Biltmore annual pass allows you to visit the estate an unlimited number of times throughout the year. You can make Biltmore a new experience every time you step onto the estate. Where else can you find beautiful gardens, four mountain seasons, and eight 8,000 acres to explore. Build memories by keeping your family time creative and enjoyable. Visit the Biltmore website at Biltmore.com for all of the information. And come on over. We would love to see you. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on a Jupiter. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here with Kingston Lim. And Kingston, we are hanging on by the uh, seat of our pants. We want to find out what happened. You crossed the bridge. Now you've seen the immigration office up ahead. What happens? Right, so 
after I had taken the detour from actually entering into Rao and seeing all these houses and the cars going by and taking a different path and seeing the immigration office, I walked to the immigration office. Most people there, they didn't speak English. And another problem I had was Google Translate didn't have a, didn't offer an offline translation of Lao, the language there, which, and I didn't, I just got to the country and I didn't have an internet connection, which made it difficult to try to communicate. So it ended up being a little goose hunt of me talking to this, this one person that was speaking a bit of broken English, pointing over there, pointing over there. And there are a lot of hawkers there trying to sell you things there as well. And I had my, once they saw my passport, it was an American passport. They started crowding over me. Oh, look, it's an American. Let's, let's try to do business with him. And maybe we just scored a good, good deal on it. And eventually I found a person that spoke decent enough English telling me that I had to get my exit step out of Thailand first before I could actually go into Laos and get my visa there. So he told me to get on a bus to go back to the bridge, back to Thailand, which I did. Went back to the bridge and followed over a few obstacles in the Thai part because I did something apparently you're not supposed to do. And so I got my exit stamp in Thailand and took the bus back into Laos and got my visa going into Laos. I believe it costs $30. Anyway, so previously I already did a lot of research on how to do this expat in Thailand called a visa run. I already did a lot of research, but apparently not enough to know what I'm doing completely. So I got my visa in Laos and I took the bus into Vientiane, this is the capital. And it was, Vientiane is about 20 miles away, which that bus ride was uneventful. I got to Vientiane and I had it, the embassy, the Thai embassy where I was going to get the visa marked on my Google Maps. I had the city saved offline and I just walked to the Thai embassy and it was Blazing hot, hotter than anyone that's been to Southeast Asia knows it's hot and humid. Now was, it was sunny as well, and I was getting cooked by the sun. I was walking there, I was a puddle of sweat. Eventually, I got to the Thai embassy, and I noticed that it was closed. It's like, oh, you know what, that's not good. And I know that they're supposed to close at 12 p.m. if I wanted to get my visa on time. I was running out of time. I talked to the person there, the guard there, and he didn't speak a whole lot of English either. He just said in broken English saying, oh, this isn't the right place. Let's go to another Thai embassy and start scratching my head, getting really confused. And I was pressed for time at this point now. I was all this mishap. I was running out of time. Eventually, I started walking and I noticed a Swedish embassy, right? Swedish embassy. These people here were a European country and they work with so many foreigners. They probably speak English there and they have an internet connection. Right, I'm going to go in and ask them for help. And they went inside and talked to them. And eventually I found out there was a second Thai embassy. And the girls there, they were really nice. They pointed me out on where I was supposed to be. At this point, I was in a real rush. And I started running towards the embassy and hoping that they gave me the right directions. But eventually I found it. Found the Thai embassy right on time. It was like 11.30. They were just about to close the gate. And once I got inside, I was sweating a lot and they had me fill out these forms. I remember that when I handed back the form, my hand was pressed up against it. Well, I'm a lefty, so when I write, my hand is pressed on the piece of paper. I handed back the form they wanted me to fill out and it was a bit soggy. I think the girls there was kind of grossed out. 
I didn't care. I got my well, I got it done, got my visa, and following Monday, I got my visa to go back to Thailand. So crossing the border, I really didn't want. It wasn't very eventful. And once I got to Thailand, walked an hour back to the bus station, and to the bus station, I bought a ticket, another overnight bus back to Bangkok, about 10 hours again. This time, once I got there in the morning, I had to work at classes to teach, which was a very tiring ordeal. And I remember the morning of the day of I was teaching that day, I noticed there wasn't something quite right in my voice. And I tried to ignore it the best I could. And some of my students made comments saying something to the likes of, oh, teacher, you look so dark and your voice changed, you look so cool. And I didn't really comment because I didn't feel too well. And I remember by the end of the day, I tried to say something to my boss there. I opened a voice trying to say something and I couldn't speak at all. And that's the thing about being in Thailand. I got all these illnesses that I've never gotten previously in the States. I couldn't speak at all. And that was an interesting experience trying to teach as a teacher without being able to say anything. And besides that, I noticed my skin started getting really itchy. And eventually found out that I had sunburn. I didn't wear any sunscreen. I was just a t-shirt where my arms were all exposed. And I had blisters on my feet from all the walking as well. So that was a lot of, it took a lot of ingenuity to try to work it out, trying to teach and control a classroom when you can't even speak. So that was my little adventure into Laos. And eventually when I talked to one of the Thais there that helped me get a visa, and I told her what I did. She said, you know, even us Thais, when we have to go across the border, we don't do that. What you did was very dangerous. And I was thinking to myself, well, I didn't know that. Well, yes, now I know. Well, now you do know. And Kingston, I'm telling you, you are you are hardcore, my friend. For somebody who's still in his 20s, you have experienced a lifetime of adventure. So I want to make sure. That was not a vacation. No, definitely not. Well, you are doing the work. You're you're uh, like we were talking about. Sometimes, you know, the best intentions uh, get you into uh, circumstances that that are out of the out of our train of thought and and out of our it can seem very counterintuitive to the way things have always mm-hmm. be, been done. And and that's something that I've definitely learned in these eight years of doing speaking of travel is that. When, you, mm-hmm. when you're traveling, you are on your toes. So tell us again how we can reach out to you and, and get more information, Kingston. Yeah, so my website where I post articles about my journey and things I learned, as well as business stories about my past as well. That's on my website. Website's URL is my name, kingstonlim.com. Again, kingstonlim.com. And I also post a supplement to those web articles, make videos so that I can continue building on my speaking skills. I've always been the one told that I need to come out of my shell. So YouTube channel would be just my name plus my initial. Kingston S. Lim. And Kingston S. Lim. And for those that just want to see the travel photos as well as the place, the people I've met would be my Instagram handle. My Instagram handle is Kingston Lim 23. Kingston Lim 23. Well, Kingston, thank you so much for being on Speaking of Travel, and that's Kingston Lim L I M. 
Thank you so much. You know, just hearing your stories and and being kind of in your back pocket as you're traveling is is very inspiring for us. So please, I would love to have you back on the show after the summer goes by. You've had a little bit more under your belt, and and we'll catch up with you again. Mm-hmm. Pleasure to talk to you, Marilyn. Thank you. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. You've been listening to Speaking of Travel. You know, this is a great week to uh, take some of of the lessons we've just learned from a, a fellow traveler. Sometimes, you know, life is challenging. Uh, we had a little challenge with with the uh, sound, and and we got over it. Uh, Kingston's had some issues getting across borders and uh, just adventures that he never thought he would ever have. Even though we're still in a, a somewhat uh, shelter-in-place mode, we can get out and take walks. We can experiment with new food. There's so many new things that are that are right here for all of us. Be sure to visit Kingston's uh, website and his Instagram and his YouTube because you're going to get like smiles on your face when you see that here's somebody who's kind of an ambassador for us. He's out there traveling, filling us in on what's going on. Remember, we can be dreaming of that journey. We can be dreaming of where we're going to go, how we're going to do it, take some virtual tours. There's so many ways that you can just keep the adventure going because remember, life is short. Don't postpone joy. 